Welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with the Mojo Maker and host Nikki Fogden Moore, the Vitality Expert, dedicated to helping you be the CEO of your business and your life with special industry and life leading guests, top tips on how you could create that magical blend of healthy, wealthy, and wise for CEOs, entrepreneurs, founders, and people who do things with life. Hi guys, I'm Nikki Fogdenmore. Welcome back to the Mojo Maker Show. It is a real pleasure. I'm filming here today with Dave and we're at KPMG with thanks to them for the most incredible location to interview two incredible humans. One today is Alison Fleming. On today's episode with Alison, she is a real, real manager of change. Not only does she call herself a self-confessed lifeaholic, most would call her a workaholic, but like me, we love what we do, so we're willing to put all those extra hours in. Alison is the general manager of Santa Group, which is the Westfield retail chain, and she's also a mentor for chartered accountants. She is one of the Lane Beachley Aim for the Stars mentors. She's a board advisory, a regional counselor. Uh, she's done a lot of philanthropy work. Her bio goes on and on and on. What I would like to say is the reason I've got Alison on the show today is to talk about bro code from a woman's perspective. I think being a general manager in a financial position in a large multinational company takes a lot of kudos as well as her drive to create diversity, empowerment and engagement for females in the modern workforce. And how do we bridge that gap as a leading female in the area of commerce when you're trying to pave the way for the young blood coming through? I'm going to have Alison talking on the show today about her version of the bro code and why she calls herself a lifeaholic, has continued to evolve in education, her own personal development and giving back. So I hope you enjoy this episode. She's a rock star, one of my closest friends, and I'm extremely proud to have her and her story and what she's visioning for the future in today's growing companies. Remember, my motto, companies are the new community. So our leaders in life create a huge ripple effect on our macro socioeconomic impact on what we do as humans in this world. Let's go and check it out. Hi guys, welcome to the episode. You would have just heard my introduction with one of my greatest friends. I think I'm still in here in a circle. I haven't seen her for a while. Alison Fleming, thank you for agreeing to be here in Sydney on this beautiful day with a view of the Harbour Bridge. It's very magic and anything for you. Oh, you know what is really, I was trying to do your intro with your bio and then basically the book was so long. <laughs> I was like, we're just going to have to ask you to introduce yourself. But I met you uh, via LBD Group, I think, and then we've done some work together at Centre Group in Westfield, which, and I'm exceptionally proud of watching you just rise, rise and rise. And I think one of the things that a lot of people don't realise when they look at someone's title is the person behind the name. So today is one of my big topics. It's called Bro Code. And I know that diversity is something you champion. So before we go in, I would love you to help our listeners and viewers maybe get a little bit of insight as to what put you in this chair as general manager and finance director of Santa Group, which is one of the largest retail chains and conglomerates in Asia Pacific, if not the world. Thank you, Nikki. Thanks for the promotion too. <laughs> so I'm, um, I do have a background in finance and my, uh, my current role is general manager of finance, but I absolutely agree with you. People are so much more than their job title. So I do have got a career in in finance and I've had many finance and management accounting roles over the years, uh, primarily in mining and manufacturing before I came to Westfield and now Centre Group um, a bit over 10 years ago, almost 11 years. 
I've had both financial and operational roles within Centre Group, which has been a lot of fun. But I also um, try and do a lot outside of work because I'm a big believer in you've got to be um, interested and interesting. And I always worry that I'm going to be that person at a party that's got nothing to talk about except work. So so I'm fortunate enough to sit on a few advisory boards uh, and I'm also New South Wales Regional Council member for Chartered Accountants Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I'm very passionate about mentoring and helping people, you know, really realise their full potential and however I can, you know, have some kind of influence over helping them see how amazing they are. Um, I'm really happy to, help, to support them. So, I mean, what I find with a lot of uh, LinkedIn titles with everyone's mantras and vision boards and I call it generation exhibition. We throw the word mentoring around, we throw the word leadership around, uh, we throw personal development around. But what I love about you is that you do the work. And I think that's the biggest message of the show for me is just cutting straight to the point and saying, yes, it's very good having the awareness we need to do more, but we have to be the change. And I think being accountable to actually drive that is one of the things I love about you is that you don't have to wear shoulder pads in a three-piece suit as a woman to sit in a boardroom, but at the same time, you have to have the courage to ask for what you want. Mm. So I find the diversity and mentoring discussion really, really interesting at the moment. Whilst there's a lot of me-to-we programs and everything else, I think that it all comes down to how you as an individual and as a leader decide to lead from within and what your morals and vision are. So you're a very thoughtful person. You're very calculated because obviously you come from a finance background. And you do have a don't mess with me approach, which is why we get on. What do you think the three uh, revelations for you in a male-dominated commercial landscape, retail at finance level and now advisory board level, have been for you and just being able to be yourself? Yeah, look, great questions and great topic for where we are sort of in society at the moment. And I think a part of probably how I approach my day today today would come back to uh, I've worked in male dominated industries my whole life. Uh, you know, mining and manufacturing were, were very male dominated. Um, and then coming into property is, you know, probably still more, more male than, than females, uh, particularly in leadership roles. I think how I approach that is I genuinely do just try and be myself and mm-hmm. I think I don't focus on the fact that I'm a female and therefore others don't. I think for people aspiring to to climb the ladder or to get their dream job and that doesn't necessarily have to be about climbing the ladder. You know, we spoke about the fact that you just, you and I have both come from male-dominated industries and I've never really thought of myself as one or the other gender. I've just been Nikki. Um, And that's been one of your revelations. Why do you think other people struggle? Why do you think there is a need to define a gender? Why can't we just be ourselves? Yeah, look, in a perfect world, there would be no no need to focus on or define a gender. And I think the fact that we're talking about gender equality so much in the media at the moment is is a double-edged sword because Mm -hmm. I think you know, statistically, we know we've got a problem. You know, we don't have parity in the workplace in both positions or in salaries and the pace of change is far too slow. So if the statistics are to be relied on, that's where we're at. But the reality is if you don't focus on your gender, there's a good chance other people won't. And I think people should focus on being the best candidate rather than being the best female candidate. And And we're not discounting. Um, we're not saying that all those statistics aren't there. Correct. But I do think at a certain level, it's the best skills for the job and you providing yourself that foundation. Yeah, correct. And I think, you know, regardless of what, what role you're going for or what career you're trying to carve out, 
it should be about being the best person for that role or career rather than making it about you know, being being first female to that role or being a female in that group, I think yeah. that's far less important than what you can actually bring to the role. And I have to say this is a very touchy subject and I've been a little bit reticent to have this discussion because I feel when I've been at networking breakfasts around women, I've actually been put in the naughty corner for saying how can we as women de- depend and rely on our communication, our skills, our drive and our talent and actually become the change that it is that we see ourselves as this person, not as Nikki the female or Alison the female. So how do you educate the men now that we don't even know what to do? Should we stand up? Should we open doors? Should we not? I think there's been, as you say, a double-edged sword as we've created roles perhaps where there's been no remit for someone to achieve in that role because it was a place at the table. Mm. That's one thing, but at least there's a place at the table. What would you say you've helped educate and mentor men during this period around you to be good advocates for that change? Yeah. Um, look, I, I work with some amazing men and I would say on, on the whole, I mean, people are gen- in general good people. Yeah, I think so um, too. You know, and I think a lot of the men I work with are really happy if you can give them advice on, hey, that that's actually not the most inclusive way you could be conducting business. You know, some <laughs> people and not always some women might not, um, you know, thrive in, in those environments. But again, it's, I think it's, I don't know if I've got a general answer to that question because I think it's all very circumstantial and quite specific. You know, it might be a person's certain style of humour or a way they like to conduct a meeting that's not going to bring the best out in people. But again, I don't think that's unnecessarily about bringing the best out in females because, you know, equally I know that there's some men who find other men a bit intimidating or hard to work with as well. So I'm not sure I can answer your question um, in a generalist way. Do you feel that because of your upbringing and your can-do life attitude, and we're very similar, we're a bit tomboyish in a lot of our activities as well, that that just makes you a little bit different in your approach to these situations because you just find a way around it? I think so. I was reflecting recently um, on International Women's Day about my little athletics days (laughs) (laughs) and I could consistently beat the girls. So my dad used to put me in the races against boys. Yep. And it, and I think because he was sort of like, well, you know, if if running is about you always being your best, then you need to be running against people who are going to bring the best out of you. So I think I don't, I didn't view that as a, a life lesson early on, but it's something that I've often reflected on. I've never thanked dad. So thank you. But I do think my upbringing was never about gender. It was also never about job titles. Mm-hmm. I was really fortunate to grow up in a in a beautiful place in Lake Macquarie in Newcastle, and and our neighbours and our whole community was people from you know top lawyers and police prosecutors, um, doctors, electricians, plumbers, and and I was genuinely in an environment where nobody talked about job titles. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the qualities I've really tried to hold on to throughout the years is that everybody's got a role to play in a society and an organisation. And I really value people for who they are, not what their job title is or their gender or, um, you know, any other kind of quality that doesn't doesn't really bring them back to who they are as a person. And that's obviously why we're such great friends, but also why we've worked together before is that whole um, dedication to enabling people to be their personal best and to thrive. So you know that one of my remits is that I think companies are the new community and that we create an impact on how people treat each other, talk to each other, how they go home at the end of the day. They learn lessons at work um, and they predominantly spend a lot of time at work. What would you say for you at the moment, because you are in charge of a large organisation 
in a commercial capacity, but you have such a deep set belief in your time to develop people. For you at the moment, how do you harness your vision and apply that daily? Because obviously you want to create a lot. So what would the three things that you're really working on at the moment, how do they apply themselves daily life for you at work? I think um, the thought that I've always got at the back of my mind is that um, somebody once asked me, um, oh, we were, in, we were in a group and somebody said, oh, hands up if you've ever complained about your boss. And you can imagine the whole room, everyone's hand shot straight up. And then the follow-up question is the obvious one. Well, you know, hands up who thinks somebody might have gone home and complained about you. And I think I've always got that at the back of my mind and not definitely not in a way where I need to be liked but I really try and lead my team in a way I feel that they'll respect me. So um, I I would say I'm probably quite difficult to work for. I have extremely high standards and, but I do try wherever I can to make that a fun and very, very much a learning environment so that they always know that they're getting something out of it that is more enduring than whatever the task that they're doing is. Uh, Equally, I say to my team, if you're not enjoying your role and you don't like it, please don't complain to your friends at a barbecue. That's really boring. And your friends can do nothing about it. So if you're not happy where you are, um, please come and tell me about it because I'm probably the best place person to do something about that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that might be either change your current working environment or or we can help change your complete job, whatever that is. But um, there is absolutely no point being in a role that you don't like and then consuming your time and others complaining about it to people who can't do anything about it. In terms of day to day, you know, I do require a lot from my team, probably more than I'd like, but you know, we just try and make that as practical as possible. So I really encourage them to always think about exactly what they're working on. You know, question everything. Do you really need to be doing it for my teams? Question who's doing it. Mm-hmm. If, if we've, you know, we're all in a world where we've got headcount restrictions and we've got to do more with less. So we have to have the best people in our roles. Mm-hmm. There, there can't really be any weak links in the team. So what work are you doing and who's doing it? And then why? Like what's what's that real benefit and, and is it the best thing to be working on? So um, that's probably the, the day-to-day, um, how do we keep things going? And I think, you know, the you're a big advocate for learning and development. Now, one of the challenges for companies at the moment when they feel they've found their glide is or they're in a tight spot is they stop investing in their people. And I always say the corporate programs that I work with, what is your minimum investment that you will commit to even when times are rough Mm. so that you're always there for your staff because you have to create a safe environment where you say if you're not happy please come and talk to me but it's what you do next that instills a safe environment for that boomerang approach to happen so how do you know that you can fulfill your promises when you're mentoring leading others uh, supporting this diversity structure and continually developing them how do you take that to the top to make sure that you can follow through with that commitment because you're very big on learning and development. And that's one of the great things about Santa Group, actually. Yeah. Um, I think where I would start with learning and development, though, it's it's each individual's responsibility to be driving their own learning mm-hmm. and development. I think sitting back and waiting for corporate programs that are often amazing um, is great, but probably a little bit of a lazy approach as well. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I definitely wouldn't be leaving my learning and development in the hands of anybody else because Mm -hmm. I think that would be letting myself down. 
There's so many uh, different ways to approach learning and development. There's obviously um, formal and professional education that you can seek out, but you know, there's amazing podcasts, um, blogs, yes, and is. journals. <laughs> yes, there are. Um, that you know you can be be doing because you know um, less and less we've got time to be going and doing those full day or full week courses. Yep. And we need little sound bites to help stimulate our minds and just keep us, um, you know, energized and um, intellectually stimulated. So I Fantastic. think most of that's got to start with the individual. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, I think that sums up the whole philosophy around learning development from a company perspective and an individual perspective. You can give everyone as much as you want. But there has to be a two-way street, that yeah. reciprocity to absorb yeah. and to apply. Yeah. So less is more. And when I think when people want to keep consuming and absorbing and applying, you can keep giving. Yeah. But you can only absorb so much. Yeah. It's like I call them serial conference goers where people go to all the Anthony Robbins or all the, but they don't change anything in their life. They just yeah. get a lanyard yeah. and they have like 50 lanyards. But there's nothing's changed. They're still in, you know, financial hardship or they're still in a job they don't like or they're still gossiping. And yeah. so it's it's I think if you're watching this, the reason I love Alison is because not only does she develop herself and others, but you really just do the work. And that's probably the biggest message as well for you is if someone gives you an opportunity, say yes. Yes. And figure it out later. Yeah. Say yes to everything and figure it out later. And would you say that's a defining thing to loop back to our whole point about the bro code? The one thing I like when working in a male-dominated environment is just getting on with it. Yeah. And do you think that if we as, as women can just say yes more and figure it out later, it would actually make the trajectory a bit more fun, challenging, but also inclusive? I think so. I think that's a really good point. The other thing I would love to see is more women supporting women. I think too many times, you know, we all joke about the statistics around men will apply for a role if they've got two out of the 10 qualifications and a, a female will still be doubting herself if she's got mm -hmm. nine out of 10. But instead of laughing about that, we should be saying to our, our female sisterhood, go for it. Yeah. Instead of being the ones sitting there going, I can't believe she thinks she's good enough for that yeah. role. We should be more encouraging and really supporting each other. I, I absolutely agree. Yeah. yeah. So you need friends that say, why not? Instead of why would you do that? And you'll find that the higher you get to the top, the less people you have around you. And it's just human nature. People don't mean to be malicious, they, but that's fear, you know, and they can't put you in a box anymore. So someone that is carving a unique path, uh, you're a trailblazer and I know that we'll be watching you take over the world someday. <laughs> um, I think that your ability to be kind and empathetic is one of the reasons that uh, you're a great leader, but also a great friend. And you take that with a lot of responsibility. What's one mantra or one message you'd like to kind of sum up around this whole bro code talk and diversity for you that would be something you'd like to leave our listeners with today? I know it's a big ask mm. because we've spoken about a lot of topics, but what would be your personal mantra at the moment then? Um, I think something that everybody should remember is the standard you walk past is the standard you accept. So if more people see things that they don't like, please raise it and and talk about it rather than, you know, observing it and not doing something about it. I think that's how we're really going to make those, you know, like small changes that, mm -hmm. that if everybody's making lots of small changes, it'll add up to, to quite a, a large snowball effect. So I think if, if everyone could remember that and, and take action rather than, you know, continue about their day and complain about it later. That's a really good point to end on. So Alison Fleming sharing her role in creating diversity and inclusiveness 
by just being yourself and ensuring that you step up, you have a go, that you communicate well with clarity and vision and that you don't give up on yourself. So um, learning and development is important. Alison, you're continuing yours, whether it's cycling through for philanthropic <laughs> reasons. Um, I love that. So we can put some links on that as well. People can find you on LinkedIn. They can connect with you in terms of leadership capability and building a sound integrated team structure. I think one of the things I've noticed with you as well is that you are very starting with your own side of the street. So how do I lead by example? Yeah. And some of Alison's links around giving back in the community, some tips on how you can articulate yourself clearly in the boardroom and realize as well that it's not really gender specific. You've got to understand what your why is, be accountable for your day. And if there is something you're unhappy with, please go and talk to your boss about it. Or if you're the boss, find a cheerleader, find a mentor and figure it out and own your side of the street because really there's unlimited possibilities. Absolutely. You've just got to be fearless, right? Yeah, exactly. So Alison, thank you so much. I know that you're going to looping your background because I want to talk about how you actually deal with this enormous workload and the fact that you are a lifeaholic and not a workaholic. So we'll be doing another episode together on managing overwhelm, dealing with meditation, mindfulness and exercise and how you blending that work life create something you're really proud of so that you're not the boring person at the party that you just spoke about. <laughs> I want to thank you for your time on the show. I'll put all the links to Alison's profile on the show notes, thevitalitycoach.com.au. Thank you for joining in as we discover some of the under the hood secrets and how you can lead in life as well as work. I'm Nikki Fogdemore, the host of the Mojo Maker Show. Come check us out on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, and Alison Fleming. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Nikki. Sorry, there wasn't champagne. <laughs>